Russia was the, the Union of Soviet Social Republics. And they'd say, oh, but aren't you so glad that you're in America? I said, well, I know a lot of Russian filmmakers, and they have a lot more freedom than I have. All they have to do is be careful about criticizing the government. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Jason Miles, and welcome to another episode of Pop Life, a show where we take more fun, deep dives into different aspects of pop culture, movies, and of course, something I spent a long time doing, music. This episode in particular probably is going to be a lot less music and I won't say pop culture oriented, but our guest today, you know, I do have to say this while this person's in the virtual green room, a huge inspiration on my not only musical trajectory, but also on my post-music trajectory, as this person, our guest, Eugene Robinson, has had a very illustrious musical career, but also a very good post-music career. He's the author of several books, He's edited magazines. He's a professional fighter. He, he, he does it all. He does, And he does it all and he has his hair. <laughs> That's the fucked up part. He's older than me. He has his hair. F him. Um, <laughs> don't forget, if you like what you're seeing and you're new to the show, please, on the way out, or on the way now, hit like. If you haven't done it, hit subscribe. Those passive gestures go a long way. Also, since the show is about music, I wrote a thing or two. It's in a mini book. It's in its second edition. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Shout out to Alfie and everybody at Everyday Analysis. Um, I was a teenage anarchist. Wherever you're watching or listening to the show, there should be links in the description. If not, I'll put a link in the comments to that book. Alfie just said, hey, you are a very close second to Slavoj Zizek as far as sales. I was like, what? So if you haven't gotten it yet, get it. Come on. Really? Let's, let's have TIR defeat Slavoj Zizek in the race to the top of psychoanalysis pamphlets. <laughs> Because that's what really matters here on TIR. Also, right before we start the show, I want to say this. Next week, as this airs, it'll be a week from then, now, then, now, then, then. Ben Burgess and I are once again doing Kami Valentine's Day at the Rainbow in L.A. Are you a lonely leftist? Left-leaning? We'll take... Social Democrats 
Social Democrat infiltrators to the Valentine's Day hang. It was fun last year when we did it. Hopefully it'll be fun again this year. Now, let's get into what you guys are watching. You saw a thumbnail of Vince McMahon and poop. And you're like, what the hell is Jason talking about? I wasn't following the Vince McMahon trial. And because I am social media friends with our guest today, Eugene Robinson, who writes a very good column. Again, there's a link in the description. It's the first thing you see should be a link to his Substack. Um, He wrote kind of about this era of the scumbag we're living in. And I wanted to talk to him about that because I feel that he has, he also wrote a sex column for a while. He's going to get into that. Trust me. Trust me. When Robinson is around, just move out of the way. Let the guy talk. But many people speak of the Me Too era as past tense, but it seems like we're seeing a resurgence of news coming about, coming out about famous men behaving like Caligula, emperors of their own private empires. Sean Puffy Combs, Luther Campbell of Do Live Crew fame, New Jack Swing uh, R&B pioneer Aaron Hall, and the latest to be named, maybe the most outrageous, is president of the WWE, former president because he'd step down, Vince McMahon. If you haven't read any of the allegations against McMahon or watched any news regarding it, this show today, it is not safe for work. There you go. Already starting off with the inappropriate sound drops. That's how not safe for work it is. Per the court documents, McMahon, while having a threesome, stopped, defecated on the head of one of the participants, then went on to continue with the intercourse. We coming for you, nigga! Or on you. Now, a central theme in these cases is that women involved didn't want to go as far as their more powerful male counterparts wanted to go. Um, there were large age, fame, and of course, financial gaps in the relationships from our guest Substack, where there are links in the description to sign up. And I would say it's worth $5. Has there ever been a time in human history when more powerful people have been and are being busted for that which clearly crosses the bounds and boundaries of standard, the bonds and boundaries of standard behaviors? Sorry. I mean, while we might all be able to imagine private jetting it to Jeffrey Epstein's pedophile island, like, say, former President Bill Clinton or former President Donald Trump, but 50 times, as was the case for Clinton, 50 times? I haven't visited my mother 50 times in the last decade, and I love my mother. And now that we mentioned Trump, a living and breathing monument to that of what we speak, what is called, what is it called when a man who has bragged about grabbing strangers' pussies goes to court for grabbing a stranger's pussy and more raping said pussy? That is a quote from our guest today. Please welcome, as he is going to give us the right winger yelling, Eugene Robinson. <laughs> Yeah, I like the sound of applause, <laughs> <laughs> even if it's canned. <laughs> it feels good. It feels good. Yeah. It's like, hey, I'm ready to start a real, a real show. Right. Um, right. 
for those that don't know, Eugene has been in the punk, rock, alt rock, art rock. You put a name to the rock. He's been around that scene since the late 70s. Uh, I got into to punk rock music in 77, but I didn't start making it until 80. Were you in New York at the time or were you in the California? Uh, I was in New York and then I came out to California in uh, August of 1980. Oh, wow. You've been in California that. So you've been in California longer than you in New York. Yeah, but, you know, I always say you're from where you went to high school, you know. So if I'm around another New Yorker or I've had a little too much to drink or get angry, it doesn't take long for the New Yorker to, to make an appearance. <laughs> Uh, in fact, one of my kids, I thought we got into some kind of dispute and I said, listen, you are California kids raised by a New York father. You know what Californians think is rude. I just could call Tuesday, you know, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there is, there's a lot of truth to that as my co-host on the main show is actually everyone involved, um, on the main show are New Yorkers from, yeah. where are they from? I forget where they're from. It doesn't matter. All New I'm York. From, I'm, from, I'm from Brooklyn, and that should say it all. Um, I'll ask. I'll ask exactly where they're from because we lie a lot on the show because we don't want people to know yeah, yeah. exactly where cats are from. Yeah, but they, yeah. I forget exactly where in New York they're from. Because guys will tell you they're from New York, and then it'll be like Newburgh. <laughs> I do know where that is. Yeah, that's like that's like Canada, as far as I'm concerned. You know, so. No, uh, they're they're from they're from the the borough. I think yeah, it's not. I think it's Queens they're from. Um, all right. I was born in Queens, but I grew up in Brooklyn. So no, they're not. They're not from like the you know, they're island Negroes as well. So and I'm not even from the cool part. Like you, you tell somebody who thinks you're like an Arabiste, and you say we're from New York, and they go, "Oh, Williamsburg," or the, I go, "No, no, no, Flatbush, Crown Heights." <laughs> You know, the hippest neighborhood I was ever in was Cobble Hill, and that was not very hip then. So it was a very different New York, a very, very, very different New York. Um, but now you're now you're in the Bay Area. Um, you have been for some time. Uh, I I wish this was live because I feel like people there's been people asking for this show for a while because I think they see me, a black person that's done like loud music, and they know you. As the other black person that's done loud. <laughs> well, if if if, if we're the, there are only two examples, they've not been around too long. No, <laughs> so, no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's so funny. I did, yeah, so getting this done for me, it, it's like the stars aligned, and uh, and no, I, it, seriously, um, I've always admired your. I don't want to say post because you're still doing music. You're about to go on tour again. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. Your other life outside of music, your intellectual work. I think when we think about the punk rock intellectual for a lot of people, it stops at Henry Rollins. <laughs> and it makes me kind of sad. Yeah. That kind of, it makes me very sad that your name never gets mentioned. Because I'm like, there's a guy that's yeah. a legitimate intellectual yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that has some really cool shit to say. He's yeah. the, the tough guy shit. Yeah. He's got it in spades if that's what yeah. you want. Yep. Yeah. You know, but the thing is, the thing is, you know, my rap, you can't put on a bumper sticker. So <laughs> it gets to be kind of hard to uh, to uh, to commodify what it is you do if it can't be fit on a bumper sticker. I mean, you know, I, I enjoy Rollins as much as the next guy, but he's got these kind of perfect, you know, bumper sticker bone moats. So, you know, hats off to him for that. 
That's a good point. Um, and that wasn't insult, by the way. No, 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 no. no. You know, I, you, look, I, mean, I don't have I don't, anything. I don't aspire to be on a bumper sticker, so you know. <laughs> I don't have anything negative to say about Henry Rollins. Yeah. Um, there's a ton of people that I may be mildly critical of that have their music and stuff is ingrained on my DNA. It's part of who I am as a human being, so I, I don't have anything uh negative nah, it's, not, it's not negative but I, I have to counter it to the, the the politician i had been for the greater part of my musical career of like not wanting to hurt people's feelings and that all that changed when i wrote the memoir i was like look i can tell the truth or i can lie and i would rather tell the truth whether or not it hurts your feelings i'm sorry you know and i've had people call me on stuff and i had the like family members and i had to say listen you do realize I saw that with my own eyes. <laughs> right. It's not like I heard that or somebody convinced me of that. I saw it with my own eyes. So, uh, you know, so I, I've decided I got into that wonderful old guy stage where what is that blues song? Elmore James. Like, don't start me talking. I'll tell you everything I know. So sorry if it hurts your feelings. But Well, you you start your you know, that's why I like the piece. Cause you start the piece off with a bit of self-reflection mm-hmm. saying, hey, I wrote in my memoir that I am a bit of a scumbag mm-hmm. and you talk about the difference between yep. um, someone that kind of owns it and understands what they are, yep. what they may or may not do. And these people that are more devious, can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. Well, this, it, it, we, we were talking, it wasn't even an argument with, uh, with, uh, with an ex of mine. And she just said very, and it wasn't meant to be, you know, hurtful either. She had an honest to God question. That question is, What's the difference between you and a scumbag? Because I think I told her, do you want me to bullshit you? Or do you want me to tell you the truth? She goes, tell you the truth. Okay, where I was on Friday was having sex with this woman I met at a movie theater. I think that was actually the discussion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> um, and so what's the difference between you and a scumbag? Is it, I own it. I just told you that. You didn't mm-hmm. know that. <laughs> no, I didn't even have to tell you that, but I told you that. Because... You know, I'm disclosing you asked. I, I would rather be in a place where I don't have to lie. The the difference is with all of these cats, every single one I mentioned, like Louis C.K., they always imply they always uh, 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 there's an element of of uh, of of trickery or trickery mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I, I just don't have the patience or the time for. I might like Louis C.K. say, hey, why don't you come up to my hotel room like Louis C.K.? I might say actually, unlike Louis C.K., I wouldn't say, let's go up and talk about the script. I would say, let's go up to the hotel room so you can watch me masturbate. (laughs) And and typically the person I said this to would laugh. And Mm -hmm. I go, actually, I'm not joking. When I tell you a joke, you'll know. know? (laughs) And then they say, cool, I'm down with it. Or they say, I'll pass. We could talk about the script here. No professional repercussions, nothing to report. You know, no, Mm -hmm. don't make people feel weird. I'm not angry or hostile about it. I just had to take a shot, took my shot, you know, so, literally and figuratively. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> so Louis C.K. jumps in front of the door and blocks the, the exit. This is scumbaggery. Look, have I been in a threesome? Yes. I write about that in the memoir. I've been in a threesome. You know, have I pooped on anybody's head <laughs> during the course of the threesome? I have not. And more importantly, the most mind blowing thing is I the poop didn't stop me really necessarily, but that he stayed. Yeah. What kind of piece of shit stays in bed with pieces of shit? 
you know, I this I don't know. And all the things you you referenced, you mentioned the yeah. age, the power. Listen, nobody who signed on for that expected to get their head pooped on. I'm sorry, you know. And the fact that he stayed pretty much. I took a class from Herent Kachadorian, the sex noted sexologist, and he at one point said, anybody, categorically, anybody who's into necrophilia is who participates in sex with dead bodies is de facto insane. Mm-hmm. And even at that point, I was like, come on, you know, <laughs> can, how can you say that? You know, yeah. I mean, different strokes for different folks. But I think in this instance, you know, it's a real kind of referendum on the nature of power mm-hmm. that the person who took the shit stayed in the shit. You know, um, I found that to be ultimately, um, the most disturbing aspect of it. And the reality of it is my head immediately went to the one place that nobody's head went to and all this reportage, his steroid usage, you know, interesting. And and I've been, you know, a a kind of casual supporter of the idea of steroids Mm -hmm. as well as having taken them. Mm -hmm. But I do know the personality deforming effects they have and that nobody, I'm not saying this in an exculpatory way Mm -hmm. and, and, pooping on somebody's head in a threesome that you continue to have sex in is not technically illegal. He's getting dinged for sex trafficking and these other yeah. things. But uh, steroids are very powerful drugs. And I don't think, I mean, I had a friend who used steroids as a defense in a murder case and it failed miserably. And he mm-hmm. went to prison for 25 years where I believe he is right now, San Quentin. But I think he's got a case, sort of. It makes you kind of crazy what about I, I have been watching some of the the wrestling stuff um i don't know how into pro wrestling you are you actually have written about combat sports you are literally you said you just came from jujitsu yep. um uh, i my big work i've been doing for the last two years it's not finished yet that's a me problem is uh, a documentary series called kayfabe which is about the way yes. we uh, digest uh, uh, media juxtaposed to, to pro wrestling and, and the rise of cable news. So I'm a wrestling fan. Um, I know who Vince McMahon is. He's an interesting character to me. His demise, though, um, has it might been. Be, it might be too soon to say demise, my friend. I well, I mean, just his physical, his yeah. physical, fa- like watching Vince McMahon, looking at him now, it's like, dude, yeah. your hair has been kind of a salt and peppery gray for 30 years and now it's jet black yeah man you look you look very different so there's people that are saying that you know when he started wrestling Mm. um coupled with the steroid use um that he was taking some big bumps and there are people that do think that he has cte yeah dementia yep i think listen i I used to be more into pro wrestling in the old days but the reality Mm. of it is I I think during the fight book, I interviewed somebody uh, and he was like, we don't have a season in wrestling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, if it was real wrestling, if it was amateur wrestling, there's a season because these were all farm kids and they couldn't be doing, you know, any sport when it was time to do the crop stuff. So they start to wrestle. So but pro wrestling has no season. It's all year. So if you're taking steroids, I know guys who have been on 11 month cycles. Jesus 11 months you're supposed your muscle receptor sites max out after about 12 weeks you should never go on for more than 12 weeks and yet they do mm-hmm. um so a- add that to the amount of damage that he's taking you know yeah it's fake but you know these guys are taking real headshots and heads are bouncing off of, again 
this sounds like I'm working for the defense and I'm not. <laughs> I don't think you are. I think no. we're trying to make sense. Well, my first question is actually trying to make sense of it. And I do want to put uh, some sort of pin on the steroid thing because I may need to talk to you soon about that because uh, Damage Magazine, who I do some writing for, had asked me because I was talking about young people and steroid use. Um, in a private conversation that the editor and I were having, one of the editors and I were having, and he goes, you know, I want you to write something about young people and steroids. And I actually want to kind of do some interviews um, because it's, it's something that's kind of blowing my mind because it's a stakeless thing. These, the, I'm not talking about young athletes. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about young competitors. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about young kids that just want to get, you know, young 13, 14. Yeah. That's, that's that, that want to get uh, 135 up on a bench. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. dude, just fine. you can get there. So well, I, I, also, also yeah. that that's the last time you you've got so much natural testosterone in your yeah. system. That's really the last time you should do it. I mean, you're gonna screw yourself up. And I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I I did my first cycle until I was 30. Um, oh, there's there's kids t- yeah. 22 years old. Yeah, that have to get TRT replacement. Yeah, this is ridiculous. And it's it's insane yeah. what we're seeing. But you know, but I mean, again, this is this is a fuel for the whole scumbaggery. You know, uh, his inability to age. I mean, not his, mm. our inability to age uh, gracefully. I mean, I, I hate mm. to, he stole it himself. I'm not going to give credit to Albert Speer, the Nazi architect, for this. But the theory he had that he used was his theory of ruin, mm. and that was that buildings he wanted the, the buildings he built in Germany to be like the buildings that were built in Rome. And I think it was actually an either Italian or French guy who came up with this idea of, of the theory of ruin. And that's that the building should look as good in decline as they did when they were first made. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think in general, that's what I aspire to like, yeah, you know, the certain ways in which I am not at all like the 25 year old body competitive bodybuilder I mm-hmm. once was, but uh, you know, I want to be pretty much the best, best put together 61 year old i can be <laughs> yeah you know and for no other reason that it's not time for me to be the fat elvis yet yeah. you know so i'm still on stage i got and also <laughs> also to do jujitsu you know i'm fighting you know i fought three guys today mm-hmm. yeah uh and their ages didn't total mine <laughs> so, <laughs> so all three guys all three guys these are guys who are like when it, one guy was a marine yeah, <laughs> you know, mm. his age and that, you know, so I, I need I need to stay current for a lot of reasons. But the hair dye, the, you know, somebody I was in LA, somebody came up to me, goes, Oh my god, I go, What? They go, Who does your eyebrows? I was like, Man, I'm just <laughs> I'm just a dude, man. I'm not going to have my eyebrows done. <laughs> yeah, no. Well you you also said LA. That's that's a place. Yeah, yeah. Plastic. If I dye my hair, it's because I you know, it's I'm on I'm doing some weird oxbow ideation thing or like you know somebody's looked at some old pr photo they go oh shit you're mac heath and i go yes you're the only one who got that i was channeling three penny opera for this was for a thin black duke you know Mm -hmm. so uh um but yeah this obsession i mean you know he's vince mcmahon's like 77 years old you know if you can rock threesomes at the age of 70 good for you but all the rest of it bespeaks of a certain desperation with finitude. You know, you're going to die someday. You figure that shit out, own up to it, you know, and, and, and Trump himself has sort of codified the, this, you know, so what ism 
that that I think is now creating a situation where, yes, statute of limitations are being extended, but we're hearing a lot more about this stuff. Danny Masterson has gone to prison now for 25 yeah. years, you know. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, Weinstein, got him, gone. Nexium, the whole Nexium thing that happened. Yeah. Uh, that, that was a weird thing. But uh, you uh, you bring up Donald Trump, and I, this is the first question I want to ask. Um, and, and I think many of us of a certain age felt that in 2015, when the audio got released of the grab um, by the pussy recording, that he was done. Uh, we've seen better people taken down by much less. You know, Gary Hart. You remember Gary Hart? Yeah, but they left. Nixon left. Yeah. Gary Hart left. Clinton was on his last term. Somebody say, so what? And stay. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so yeah, Clinton is on his last term, 99, the impeachment starts or happens, I believe. Are we a bit more acceptable of people in power doing horrible things? Well, we've had, how many presidents have we had in our recent memory that have been drug users? Mm. We got Clinton, we got mm. George W., we got Obama. Obama. So, okay, so that, that horse is gone. Um, how many have been married and divorced? You know, I mean. Oh, Reagan. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we expect from these public Trump. figures is, is changed quite a lot, you know, and Trump has changed a lot of that. So how, how does that change, though, take place so quickly? Because I remember the fervor over Clinton. And I think on one hand, there were people that were kind of pro Clinton, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um in the same way you get people that are like pro Bill Cosby mm -hmm. because it's like, well, they knew what they were doing. Mm. You, you know what I mean? It's that thing. Um, yeah. It depends. With Clinton, there's so many facets of this guy's personality that, you know, I, I've met him and we had dinner together and during the democratic national convention, mm -hmm. uh, when Gore was about to get reamed. <laughs> so it was that yeah. <laughs> 99 or 2000, I don't remember. Mm -hmm. And um, and I've written about this before you know, on the Substack. Uh, I was there with Michael Brown, Ron Brown, the Secretary of Commerce's son, and you know he he out, took a step faster, further when right at some, when somebody called me and I turned around because he wanted to introduce me to Bill at first because we're gonna about to sit down for dinner. Mm -hmm. And uh, I talked to the person who called me and then I talked back to Mike. Clearly, I was walking up with Michael Brown. But he was like four feet ahead of me now. And the Secret Service guy's like, oh, oh, oh. and I go, no, I'm with Michael. And Michael goes, he's with me. And then they go, oh, okay. And they let me in. Mm -hmm. So I meet Bill. I'm talking. And I'm you know, excited about dinner. But I said, I'm not going to make it professional because I was supposed to interview him the next day during a golf match. And so I'm there. We say our hellos. I go to sit down at the table. And then I see these two women with uh, short uh, 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 leather skirts. <laughs> And plunging halter tops. And okay. I was like, oh, yo. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. This is after Lewinsky thing. This uh -huh. dude is going to be gun shy, right? And they're mm -hmm. kind of, he's, his back is to them. He's talking to somebody else and they're kind of patiently waiting. And I'm looking for the Secret Service guys who suddenly become like Van Halen roadies. <laughs> <laughs> they're gone. They're like gone. Like these kids are just standing there waiting for Clinton, right? Like they know, fuck off. So they mm -hmm. fuck off. And the guy he's talking to says something like, I think somebody's waiting to talk to you. And then he turns around and this is the, I'm sitting there. I'm not eating. I'm not drinking. <laughs> I'm not moving. I'm watching this thing. He turns around knowing I'm there, knowing mm -hmm. the journalists are there, turns around and goes, 
hi, and he gives him a big hug, and I'm like, mother, this is rock and roll, baby, right here. Already been busted for stuff, doesn't give a crap. These girls, were they twins, sisters, were they hookers? Who knew, didn't care. He was going to hug down on them and all got hugging and kissing and hugging and kissing. I was like, yo, this is, we're on a different planet here, man. 50 times, 50, 50 times, times the pedophile island, you know? So that there's that Clinton. There's a, you know, depends on what your definition of is, is Clinton. There's, you know, I didn't inhale Clinton. And mm-hmm. there's, there's like, you know, there's a reason they called him Slick Willie. And he is in the class by himself in that regard. But Trump was not nearly as slick but came with that same so what attitude. And people were like, in 2020, like, yeah, man, shit, I'm divorced. Yeah, man, I've been in threesomes. Yeah, man, I, you know, I, all the shit that he's done, you know, is it's finally, the presidency has normalized along the lines of what Andy Warhol said, we're all gonna be famous for 15 minutes. Uh, we're all gonna do the same shit, you know? Uh, he's uh, us, we're him. That's uh, apparently, it's- yeah. Okay. Do you think there is some sort of uh, desensitization from insane sexual behaviors because we have access to so much? Yeah, and also, right. Well, also, what that says is, and, uh, let me see if I can give you an example that, that makes sense. Okay. Um, uh, I, I, <laughs> I actually can't. We, like, Rene Girard, the French philosopher talked about uh, uh, mimetic desire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I have an apple, suddenly you want an apple, you know, mm-hmm. or the or Sasha Baron Cohen. You know, if I have a clock radio, suddenly you want a clock radio, you know. Um, and I think, yeah, I think, listen, I, I for 12 years did this thing called SkullGame.com. It was like a porn Yelp. Uh, yeah. or, or it was part, part the onion, but also part Yelp. We would review porn. And um, I got to see a goodly portion of our readership were like suburban housewives, man, you know? Um, and, and, you know, we were associated with people who were make like red light district who are making porno. And they said they were inundated when they would do open calls by people who would never have done porn before. Right. Mm-hmm. Like librarians, school teachers, you know, moms, you know, women who were like, look, I, I want to cheat on my husband, but I don't want an affair but I want to work with somebody who knows what they're doing. And, um, you know, and I don't want to go to a male prostitute. So they start doing porn. They, and I said, aren't you afraid of discovery? And this one woman says, you know how much porn there is out there? How are they going to discover me? You know, I'm just a face, a body. So, yeah, yeah. It's our mores have changed quite a bit, you know, quite a bit. I mean, the reality of it is porn is just sex that happens to have a camera in the room. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah, we we we've changed quite a lot. I mean, so and when we hear that oh Trump was there and they pissed on the bed, we're like, yeah, whatever. You know? <laughs> At least well, yeah, you talk about you talk it. about that. Yeah, you yeah. you you talk about the fact that you know uh, I think you said was that there's a study that says 18% of heterosexuals have thought about corpophilia. Yeah, man. I, I then I I drilled down on that a bit. I was like in Finland. I said oh, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. We played Finland. And I get that lines up. <laughs> Is that one of those places where they do water sports? Hey, well, you don't knock water sports, but you know, <laughs> I, 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 you know, well, I, I gotta draw the line at coprophilia, you know. <laughs> I didn't know what that was until there's a show that yeah, I don't, until I got shit on. There's a show 
that uh, that I watch when I try to decompress from all this stuff that I do for a living yeah. called What We Do in the Shadows. Yes. And um, the great there's show. a character on that show played by Matt Barry that is very much like a real person that works on this show, Professor Jean Bajlan. I think they're the same person. And there's a scene where um, they're the guy that turned them all into a vampire comes back in like one of the first two seasons and they're all hanging out. And uh, they talk about wanting to try something new. And Matt Berry just yells out corporophilia. <laughs> and I was like, what is that? And I went and looked it up. I was like, oh, God, my algorithm's yeah. going to be ruined. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. But and, and there are degrees, too. There's, there's, there's casual copro, right? Where, where <laughs> no, I'm just, you know. Oh, was, that, was that me? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know. Because look, if you're gonna have anal, there's gonna be there's gonna be fecal matter around anal oh, okay, okay. analingus. There's gonna be some minor, but that's that's tangential to whatever mm-hmm. else is happening. Coprophilia is when it's just nope, no dispute here. It's just poop. And Vince McMahon, I mean, look, he you know he's been a scumbag for a lot of reasons, but this is deeper than just the the ooh oh wow factor about the poop thing. TKO, which owns WWE which hires Vince McMahon, mm-hmm. is now owned by Endeavor, which mm-hmm. used to be William Morris, which is now run by Ari Emanuel, Rahm Emanuel's brother, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the biggest agencies in the world. And the question has put by somebody recently after a UFC fighter said some deeply transphobic shit about murdering all the trans people. Um, they went to, uh, went to uh, somebody at Endeavor and said, do you have a response to this? And they said, redirected them to the ufc so this is not just this is a title shift to like a way of doing business that a tribal way of doing business that's more disturbing than anything that's happened before the the ufc clearly has decided we're a maga brand so fuck it we can come out and say we want to kill trans people and what are they going to do and we go to ari Emanuel and say what are you going to do about this and ari says talk to the ufc and the ufc goes we believe in free speech and Vince McMahon poops on people. Well, he resigns. He resigns, you know, to deal with these spurious lies, you know, about his uh, sex trafficking. Uh, but he wasn't fired. He resigned. So, you know, at some point, somebody's got to turn around and say, is there no line that can be crossed by you, uh, Mr. Emanuel, as long as business is good? Is that is that how we answer to our stockholders? Just business being good or do we draw a line that this guy is sex trafficking his, his employees and and pooping on them and rolling around in that poop? I mean, mm-hmm. these are all indicative of a larger situational problem, which is, you know, you who runs Ford now? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about the guy who runs Ford or Toyota. That means it's a good big company. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know that I know about the guy who runs Tesla. That's a bad sign. That's not a good sign. You know, who I worked at Intel. Who runs Intel now? Don't know. That's a good sign. I know mm. who Tim Cook is. I worked at Apple too. I know who Tim Cook is. But, you know, Tim Cook is very like Mr. Rogers. He comes out and he says, bip, bop, bip, and he's gone. And then he's fine. You know, <laughs> I mean, idiocy, scumbaggery in, in high places, it's become, it's no longer a, a bug. It is a fucking feature and it's nauseating. 
Well, uh, let's get into the the labor side of things. Uh, yeah. Do you feel sometimes that these sex scandals obfuscate labor exploitation? Vince McMahon's story is wild, but Dana White is wild as well. He probably has the largest combat sports branding, and he's branched out into the insane spectacle, in my opinion, of slap competitions, which is just I want to see somebody get knocked out. It's so these people aren't making much money yeah. while the UFC brand and Dana White are doing exceptionally well. The Paul brothers called this out. What is your feeling about situations like this? Well, this is appalling. We can't lie. This is appalling. It's it's more of powerful people uh, taking their employees and literally shitting on them, not even figuratively all the way anymore. But you also have people like Dana White that's doing some major shitting on desperate people when it comes to having kind of the, the number one brand if you want to get into fighting and, and attempt to get money. Um, to fight a Paul, you have to be your age, uh, <laughs> not, not a real boxer, yeah, sure. you, you know, out of the game for a while to get the million dollar uh, paycheck. Uh, what does this say about, about people like Dana White? Well, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a mixed, uh, I have really ph- philosophically, I have mixed feelings about this. Right. And I've okay. talked about this uh, on, on my podcast. I go, if I, offer you back to shit again sorry if i offer you a plate of shit and give you ten thousand dollars to eat it and you say fuck that i'm not eating that for ten thousand dollars i go great and i get to 50 60 i give you a hundred thousand dollars to eat a plate of shit and you go fuck oh man i need the money all right i'll eat the shit now because i can do that should i do that mm. it's not i mean in the one hand the libertarian argument is like if people are willing to do it they, you know, or my porn star friend, Mr. Marcus, at one point said when he had a, a star breakdown during filming, she started crying, didn't want to be in there. And he was like, but she knew what the job was when she took it. You know, you knew what the, the shit eating was about when you took the hundred thousand dollars. I don't want to hear any complaints. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are with with these guys, these robber barons in the UFC who are buying themselves thirty six million dollar beach houses. Why guy? Why 20 year olds, 25 year olds with CTE can't afford Look, uh, Poirier, Dustin Poirier said he's coming back to fight because the hot sauce he put out is not making any money and he's broke. The guy's fought major championships, multi-million dollar mm-hmm. deals. If he were a boxer, he'd be set for life. He's yeah. not. So I think I got this guy named Cal Shkalak. And Cal Shkalak was a guy who tried to unionize bodybuilding back in the 70s and the 80s. And everybody was behind him against Joe Weider, the, you know, and, until it came time to like go to court. And then they all backed out. Cal Shkalek was standing there alone. He got buried and, you know, never, never, never made it, never made nothing happen. And, you know, independent contractors like they are supposedly, this is being fought in court now. And it looks like they're winning. And I hope they really do win with this Muhammad Ali act. So these guys can get a fair living wage and, uh, and not be, you know, they talk openly about screwing these guys over yeah. openly now in this document, yeah. you know, this, they've dumped all these documents as part of discovery. And we've seen them over, like choosing to give them insanely hard fights and, and, you know, talking them down from 12 grand to 10 grand to eight grand to fight. And they'll take it and they'll like it. I mean, man, it is the worst. It is the worst. Is there, is there a place for, for ethical capitalism, you know, ethical business? And I think there is, but Somehow, you know, we've confused it with making shareholders happy with, you know, ethics being important. So um, 
I don't know. I think it's a, I think it's it's a bad way to ultimately it's a bad way to run a business. And they're all doing it. Even the nice guys now are being shitheads like the Salesforce guy, uh, the Google people. Well, don't do evil, all that stuff. They've all revealed themselves as the bottom bottom line warriors who just don't give a shit. And I wouldn't care if they were taking sucks, too. But they are not. You know, as depressed mm-hmm. as Dana White wants to be, he's still swanning around a $36 million compound, you know? So, well, I mean, what do you, how do you feel about the whole slap fighting thing? Because for me, I, 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 I can't, it just, it's, again, that's back to eating plates of shit. They, they, they're paying these people $2,000. Oh, there's no defensive application. None. And there's, you can't, you're just going to stand there. It's like CTE all the way. And they're going to get, they are gambling like airplane companies that the lawsuits that they get are worth the revenues they're going to make, you know? Um, like why? Oh, the bolts are coming off the doors. Fuck it. Put the planes up anyway, whatever. A few families sue if the planes crash, we'll just deal with that when it comes up. I mean, the slap fight thing, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. And he's basing it on, oh, the numbers on, on YouTube were so great. You know what he could have done that would have pleased me? That it, a really weird, you know, tangential sport to this car jujitsu. These guys start out seat belted, the buzzer goes off, they got to get out of their seat belts, and they fight the other guy in the car. Now, that is some <laughs> crazy stuff, but it is totally entertaining to watch. And it's got defensive capabilities. And there's another one that the the Brits do where they actually fight in a phone booth. They get in a phone booth and they I've fight. seen that. I've seen that. Yeah. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, is, this has got a gamesman element to it and it's actual competition. And but this slap fighting thing, it's 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 an analog for how he feels about humanity. Uh pretty clearly. Mm, and I've met I've met executives from Endeavor. And I met this executive from Endeavor at some VIP party. Uh, on Wall Street, actually, in 2000 and right before COVID, so 2018. And the guy starts telling me, he doesn't know that I'm a big combat sports guy. And he starts telling me, oh, Endeavor. He goes, yeah, you got to come to LA. We'll hang out. Man, you, the most exciting thing, the thing that we got is just, he goes, I go, what? And he gives me his card. He goes, PBR. I go, what? Pabst Blue Ribbon? What? He's like, no, man, professional bull riding. So all these guys are so happy that like Endeavor bought the UFC and things are really going to change. And all the exe- up top level executives there are, are interested in bull riding. Why? Because they don't have to pay the bullshit. And the bull riders don't have long careers and they're not asking. They're adult. They're not asking for a lot. Uh, it's dirty, dirty, dirty. And Dude, increasingly it's, it's-, it's made. Yeah, it's made lefties feel weird about supporting the fight game. So, well, yeah, I was on a show. I won't say what show. I won't say what show. If you dig deep enough, you can find it with someone you probably know. And they brought me and my co host on, and they were just showing. And I think that it was partially kind of coincidental black fighters winning championships boxing mm. championships and stuff it's like look at the savagery this man is a savage yeah, like, yeah. first of all you don't bring on two colored folks and yell out this man's a savage and think i'm gonna be yeah. cool with it and number two i don't have a problem with combat sports yeah. like there's yeah. there's nothing more you know screamy lib than look at look at these pores and the things they yeah. do for entertainment yeah. um so there there's an art to it there's definitely discipline um 
how many how many kids maybe you were one of those kids that were bad kids and when you were young they put them in karate it'll teach them discipline put him in boxing i wasn't a bad kid but but bruce lee you know that was my gateway drug so that's why i started taking martial arts and you know i grew up in brooklyn in the 70s so there's a lot of fights to be had so you know i figured if i was going to do it i mean i could pretty consistently got my ass kicked until i was about in my 20s (laughs) you know i i I remember winning one and that's what got me that that was heady enough so I kept trying after that, but I was not really largely successful until until about 21. Well, maybe a little earlier, but still, it's been a couple of years getting my ass kicked on the regular. Um, and in New York, it always it's, starts the same. What the fuck are you looking at? The fuck are you looking at? And bip, 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 you know, the mistake I always made is when people came back to me, I always assumed they want to continue the argument, but and they did, but I didn't expect to get hit, so I kept getting hit in the face, you know. And, I mean, uh, but, you know, it demystified getting hit in the face for me at the very least. So. (laughs) Um. (laughs) But the funny thing is, when I was on NPR, they tried to do the same thing to me. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Sort of. She tried to the whole hour trying to get me to distance myself from the book I just wrote about fighting. You know, (laughs) it's like you read the book. You know what? I don't think it's a you know, this is this is. You know, aristocrats in the old days did this stuff, right? I mean, this is mm-hmm. it, it, this is this wasn't the, the working class guys didn't have time for this. They might might be fighting, but they didn't do it well. Fencing clubs. This was an aristocrat. The yeah. gentle, uh, you know, upper level uh, echelon people. Marcus of Queensberry knew how to defend themselves, and it's I think it's a, a, a it's not an unreasonable thing to do. All of my daughters all uh, fought, you know, until at least under my tutelage until they were 18 and went off to college. So. Yeah, I, there was, it was really a fit. Dude, if you see it, it was bad. I, I, I lost my cool at a certain point in the conversation. Mm-hmm. I was pretty pissed off. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. if that person's taken it off air. They probably have, but and, and, and I stopped getting hate from it. There was while people would send some really angry messages to me, but I don't give a fuck. It's the internet. Really? People. Well, you know, for, I just kept laughing yeah. at for right today from trying to, you know, distance my it's like because you can't tell me that this stuff is not needed if you and i are walking down the street and we get put upon we get put upon by you know some uh, you know thugs it would be pretty handy to have a guy who knows how to handle himself wouldn't it you know just saying and she sides she sidestepped it and it's like you can talk your way no there's some things you can't talk your way out of and as for for hate yeah Listen, I've shown up at dudes' houses. You know, you about what it is. <laughs> look, look, check it. That's why I don't really trip, yeah. bro. Yeah. That's why I don't trip. It's like, first of all, I live in Mexico. If you really want to find me, you can. I yeah. don't hide where I'm at, and yeah. uh, I make public appearances all the time. If you really want to find me, you can. How's your um, Spanish? It's getting better. It's yep. getting better. Um, it, it, I needed to get a lot better so I can not no longer be single out here. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, it, you know, it, it's it, for, sometimes trouble finds you, but you got to look for it. I don't look for it. Um, but it is handy to know how to fight. I, I yep. my daughter's the oldest for me, so you know, I taught her the basic combinations as a young person. She still knows them. Um. That makes me very happy as a dad. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. have daughters, only daughters, so they have no choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I was um, a fascist. I was a fascist about it until high school, 
And then when they got to high school, I go, you should start wrestling and put all that jujitsu to use. And they all did. And I go, it looks great on a college application. And so they did. And it worked. They all got into their first choice of colleges. And uh, uh, my third one's about to graduate this May. So success. You know. Well, there you go. Black, black excellence, Eugene Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> Take that, Mark Lamont Hill. <laughs> yeah. We got new black excellence. Um, I do want to ask you this before you go. I hear people talk about late stage capitalism um, uh, and not the fall of society. If the end of history moment is the fall of the Soviet Union, what moment are we in? Are we in the decline of society as a whole? The wealthy are getting insanely wealthier. Labor victories, like we saw with UPS, just got rolled back with a mass firing. More people have to juggle a career that used to be able to provide a quality life, like teaching, for example, mm-hmm. with gig economy work. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a time the teachers lived in the communities in which they taught. Wow. That's one of the things that we're seeing these major strikes for we need quality of life not just raises but we need housing i think in certain parts of uh, oakland or san San francisco i think they've built some housing for teachers but that's a massive school district and the hundred or so houses they have of course can't house all the teachers that need it are we in the decline of western civilization no no, we just don't realize it no 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 no. we're not in a decline but it's a really weird realignment and mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I, like I mentioned that I worked at Intel for a while and people, most people don't know this, but these large corporations have gone about creating, um, creating uh, alternate realities, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? So if you, for, and I got some letters of complaint, I, and I, I know I'm going to say this, it's going to sound crazy. There's a guy who worked in the wafer fabrication facility in Albuquerque for Intel back in the day. And he was like, bro, he wrote me because I was the editor in chief of the corporate publication. I don't know how he thought I'd be able to help in this regard because I was, you know, an apparatchik. I wasn't part of the, the, the real, you know, fourth estate if I'm working inside for Intel. And he said, they, uh, they're demanding to inject me with a transponder. Uh, <laughs> so it, yeah. So that I can be tracked in the, it, the wafer fabrication facilities are huge. There's massive things, and they want to both, uh, you know, uh, track their employees as well as, you know, um, you, you know, track their employees as well as, you know, work efficiency, effectiveness, and, and, and so on. And he goes, I don't want to do it. I don't think it's right. And he, they just say, oh, it's a little simple thing. They inject it into the the meat of the thumb so they can can be taken out. I mean, and this was like. This was like in the 1990s, right? Damn. So, already, but what what I noticed more than that kind of stuff, I just wanted to set the scene, is that mm-hmm. you have Intel sponsored apartments, right? You have Intel campuses, so you mm-hmm. live on your job's campus, and because so many of the employees had uh, kids, you had Intel schools. Fuck. Go, go to Come Google. When they start laying people off or, you know, when they start sh- during the uh, COVID shutdown, there were actually mm-hmm. people, 30 year old people who were like, what am I going to do for food? I'm like, what are you talking about? Wow. Out of college, went straight to work for Google where you get three meals a day. Yep. They do your laundry. They do your dry cleaning that you had mechanics on site and they had childcare, you know, 
Um, so, you know, you make billions of dollars. It's hard to realize that you're part of something larger. You feel like you are that larger. And I think that, mm -hmm. you know, um, Salesforce in San Francisco, many of us remember when that building was not there in San Francisco. It is now there. Yep. You know, they have this resplendent, if you've been inside, garden that technically, according to the text write-offs they got to build it, supposed to be open to the public. It is open to the public, but they're concerned about what has happened to other parks in San Francisco, it being filled with homeless people. So mm -hmm. people, homeless advocates pushed and said, we don't think this is friendly for homeless people who should have, have access to this park. And they've gone, you know what? Anybody in San Francisco has access to this park, but you still got to go buy a front desk to get to that Salesforce park, you know, which some homeless people find intimidating. Now, I don't want bummy people shitting and pissing in my parks any more than anybody else. But let's not pretend that this resplendent garden is for everybody. It's a corporate yeah. garden, you know, and like yeah. these corporate campuses. It's a corporate house. It's a corporate school. Is that good? Is that bad? Well, does your life align with corporate objectives? And if it does, you're probably fine. If at any point it doesn't, you're going to find out a certain, a certain hard realities about life. So decline, no. Realignment, yeah. Salubrious realignment, maybe, <laughs> you know. For many, not so much. I don't want my kid going to a court. Like, I get a bad job review. What happens to my kid? I lose my job. Does my kid still mm. go to that? I mean, it's a whole crazy, crazy series of events that nobody's thought about, really. So, And this, we've already lived in this era, right, with uh, with company towns. Yeah, yeah, Hoovervilles is <laughs> fundamentally. We, 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 oh. we, but but I guess we're supposed to repeat it. And let, um, let, Eugene, let me tell you, I huh? know about some of these. I know about some of these severance packages that are being put through the people. The severance packages at Google are absolutely as resplendent as anything else. It's like pretty much if you get laid off by Google in 2024, you don't have to start worrying about a job until 2025. <laughs> That's the, you know, they give you so much stuff getting out of there. It's, it's madness. So. And that's why these people do anything to stay. Or I know guys, the guy who I know was trying aggressively to get fired. I go, why is he, why is Raul trying so hard to get fired? He goes, ah, he's not digging anymore. I go, why not? And the guy goes, well, you know, he's making 72000 And I go, oh, yeah. He goes, a month. I go, oh, what? Fuck. 72000 And the guy wants to get fired because the severance package, when you get $72,000 a month, is mad. It's like he gets to, he's got two months to find a job inside the company during which he's paid. After that, he gets all this vacation paid and about eight months of salary plus a full year of COBRA paid for by the company. I mean, it's like crazy stuff, you know. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. why not? Yeah. 72 not? grand a month. A month! <laughs> but, I mean, not everybody's making 72 grand a month. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true, but right. pretty cool. I don't know. I don't know anybody who works there who is not making way more money than I've ever made in my entire life from any single job. And I'm going down the hill like, okay, hardware guy, I, I got. Yeah, software guy, I got. But facilities guy, <laughs> bro. <laughs> facilities guy. <laughs> Come on, I'm a journalist. I gotta be. I gotta be doing all right somehow. But you know. No, not anymore. Well, I am. I mean, I'm getting out, so I'm going to Spain where my dollar goes further, you know, so. Oh, OK. So you're going to you're going to leave. You're going to leave as well. Well, yeah, I figured out how much my house in in my low income neighborhood here was worth and mm -hmm. took that price 
and mm-hmm. went around the world using these, you know, online things to see what I could afford other places. And it turns out that if I sell my house on a street where they used to be running gun battles, mm-hmm. I could buy a mansion in Spain. <laughs> you wow. know? So uh, I, you know, why am I staying? Why am I staying in places where like, you know, I mean, I, my youngest daughter is almost four. You know, a couple of years ago, her, her grandmother was going to take her to the park and suddenly decided to go somewhere else and they want to go to the park. That's the so There was a shooting in the fucking kids' park. Their kids are mm. running with their cell phones going, ma, 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 one guy oh. dies. This is the neighborhood, right? So, okay, all right. How much, you know, my house is worth 1.3 mil. What could I afford in Spain for 1.3 mil? And if suddenly I figure, why am I still in California? Why am I here? You know, why am I here with my kids almost getting shot in the park and I could just take that money and go to Spain? So I got a thousand square foot house in a low income neighborhood. (laughs) California is insane. It's worth a mansion in Spain. It it is. There's a reason why I live in an area with so many economic refugees from California, most of which are retirees. Yep. I'm one of the younger people here yep. by far. Yep. It isn't a, it isn't a, a, a deportee. Well, but, that, that thing, that, 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 that's your, that's your ace in a hole right there. Start, start liking older women, man. <laughs> I, 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 well, my age, I'm 46. That'd be my what? age. 46? 46, brother. Oh, Wow. I, I always assume everybody's a contemporary. <laughs> right. my, my co-host is closer to your age. My co-host is 56. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, but, yeah, yeah. No, no. Now, when I met you, you were married, right? Weren't you married? I was. I was. I was with my with my, with my my ex, and we did crazy-ass music. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's we right. met you doing a show with uh, Todd. With porch you and you ah, and I, that's you know, right. doing a side project somewhere i can't remember the name of the spot in oakland i think it was oakland where's it San yeah, Francisco? yeah I, um yeah it was right around by god's gym yeah yeah it was oh fuck because i can't i can't think of the name speaking of getting shot up i believe somebody died at that club as they were loading their stuff out not the night really? we were there, but, but oh. yeah yeah another night because there's a next i think that was the spot where next to that spot there was like a another club and there was a fight at that club. Someone was fighting with the, the security guard about getting in, and he started trying to shoot at the security guard. And a dude was loading his stuff out oh, man. at the place we were at, and he he ended up getting killed. Um, <laughs> it's it, yeah, and that's something you go overseas, bro. You don't just. I was I spent some time at the at the Spanish house in the summer, and it was like I could just I just walk the streets, and it was just like. I could just feel it being gone, man. That sensation of imminent death, you know. So it's a it's a different vibe. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. it's a different vibe. But you know, yeah. hey, more power to you and your family. Yeah. Um, what else are you working on, Eugene? Before we go. Ah, uh, it's been a busy week. I finished a piece for this magazine, Information, comparing the uh, grifter Carlos Watson with Steve Jobs, both of people who I worked for fairly closely and have a vantage point. So that comes out in the, in May. Uh, I also finished the new decibel column on getting old and heavy metal. And then I did, there's a book on Killdozer coming out and I wrote a chapter for, and I just finished it. I finished that yesterday. Um, 
because uh, it was due, it was due end of actually it was due I thought it was due end of January turns out it was due end of February so I'm ahead of the curve on that one and then I did a podcast uh, if the shoes fit on Tuesday nights another one on business called Bad Boss Brief uh, that we record usually today on Friday and then uh, Oxbow Show uh, Yakuza's 20th 20th anniversary party in Chicago at the Thalia Hall February 25th. And then we go back to the Midwest in May for two shows uh, at the Catterwall Festival. And, oh, you guys are playing Catterwall. And then one other one. And then mm-hmm. we go to Europe with Bungle in June, uh, uh, July. And then I, I go to hang out at my house in Spain uh, for the summer with the, for like a week with the kid and the wife. And then uh, Bunuel releases their fourth record, this Mansitude uh in september and then we go out on tour october november uh so that is that and somewhere in there all through there i'll be doing book shows uh for the memoir which is uh you know walk across dirty water and straighten the murderer's row uh the feral feral house book so that's that's my life well wherever you guys are listening or watching the show there's definitely links in the description to eugene's work musically and the written word as I am a fan and I consider it one of the privileges of doing crazy music to get to meet um, someone like yourself and hang out with you and uh, and get to do this with you. Uh, it's, it's always a pleasure, brother. And uh, I definitely want to bring you back on when some of these things get published. Yeah, anytime. This was fun to do. It's very professional. <laughs> Much more professional. <laughs> And anything I'm doing, like I said before, <laughs> I want the public to hear. This is much more professional than any of my podcasts. So. Fuck yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah really you guys heard it here first. And uh, and we can't we can't have a show with Eugene Robinson without him hearing this drop. We coming for you, nigga. There you go. <laughs> every, every show, we're always there, coming for you. There you go. So thank you, Eugene. And we are out. All right, Jason. Thank you.